welcome to Tabletop Game Talk On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Kitty. And I'm Chris. And this week, it's Fletcher's turn to abandon us, so Kitty and I will talk about tiebreakers. And Kitty wants to explain why. <laughs> oh, I'm doing that now. <laughs> oh, yeah. That- it's all Matthew's fault. It's all. I'm really sad that Matthew's not in the live audience tonight, because it's all Matthew's fault. <laughs> and we'll get to all of that. But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, Sahara Wentworth, and the Gift of Games and Grace Lake. Huge thank you to all of our other patrons as well. If you want to be in our live audience, like Matthew isn't tonight, you can go to tabletopgametalk.com slash live, <laughs> Mondays, 8.30 Central Time. Uh, there's a link in the show notes. And yeah, so we are still pushing the Discord. Our Discord is, I think it's close to 100 people now, so that's that's cool. And our BGA group is also growing. Our Azul tournament is in round two. I'm currently in uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different turn-based BGA games that are all started through our Discord. So if you want to play games with us, really, Discord's the best place to go. Um, Everything's turn-based, so you can just kind of play on your own pace as long as it's multiple times a day because we get impatient. Um, So, Kitty, I hear that... You are moving this week, sort of. Sort of, <laughs> sort of. We are we are leaving our home this week. Are we moving into our new home this week? No, no, we are not. <laughs> <laughs> we got so many assurances in this market. Sellers, they can have all the time they want. They can do whatever they want, but not us. Not us as sellers. So, um, we are packing all our belongings into um, a truck, possibly two. We have two trucks reserved, but we're hoping we only need one of them. And they are taking them all to storage for two weeks while we uh, stay with my mother-in-law. So, And hopefully we will find our things again. Your mother-in-law is in Michigan, in right? Yes. This is a this is a three states are now involved in this move. So you're leaving the Chicago area, southwest suburb of uh-huh. Chicago, going to the southwest area of Michigan, and then you're going to move south middle area, south of middle, Michigan, yep. but yeah, <laughs> and then you're going to move to the southwest area of Wisconsin. Yes, and you're going to do this over a two week period, or are you closing? Like you've already closed on the on the Wisconsin house. Yeah, we, we own that house now. We just don't live in that house yet. We did a rent back to the current owner. Or the the old, the previous owner. I feel like I keep calling them the current owner because I've been calling them current owner. Because we actually looked it up. We first emailed our agent for that house almost a year ago. <laughs> it has been a year of us looking at, talking about, thinking about, delaying, maybe... And then finally going in and buying this. House. And it's amazing <laughs> that you got in just under the wire before all like super rate hikes. We really did. Incredibly lucky timing. It was luck, not skill. <laughs> yeah. So I I never ended up refinancing. Our mortgage rate was never terrible in the first place. And when we went to go to refinance, it's like, oh, your house has lost value. I'm like, huh, what? And then six months later, it's like, oh, your house <laughs> has gone up in crazy amounts of value. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll worry about that later. And then now the interest rates are going up, crazy amounts of va- whatever. My advice to people is just rent forever. Buying a house is just a pain in the butt. Um, don't take my advice. It's not financial <laughs> advice. Talk to your financial <laughs> advisor. Don't listen to a guy who talks about board games on a podcast. But seriously, owning a house is a pain. Um <laughs> 
everything it's like democracy what is it like everything about democracy is terrible it's the worst form of government except for all the other forms of government yeah yeah (laughs) there is no good answer to anything Um, there's no good answer yeah it's all bad wow everything is bad i think everything is worse i think that yeah i think that that's the tone we want for this podcast as we you know talk about tiebreakers like yeah that's it's really the theme is gonna go through the entire episode i think um <laughs> so yeah i'm just i'm excited uh let's see a couple things i announced last week when i was talking to fletcher and kitty you haven't listened to that episode but you should i think it was actually really good no it sounded boring nope it wasn't actually sydney <laughs> sydney said she's like she was halfway through it and she's like wow you guys did a pretty good job at making this topic i have no idea about interesting i'm like cool that was sort of the point so I'm just saying, it's good. But last week's episode, I announced that I was working on Hadrian's Wall for Board Game Arena. And I'm continuing to do that. But I, I created a channel in our Discord so that I can like post updates. Because sometimes it's nice to have like feedback mm-hmm. and people are like, oh, this looks cool. And when I get to the point where I need to do some alpha testing, I'm going to go to the Discord to get alpha testers and stuff. So if you want to be part of that Discord, and I think um, it depends on a lot of things. like. Again, I can't put a lot of time in, but I would say within the next week or two, I will have sections of the game playable. So if you've if you're not familiar with Hadrian's Wall, um, it's a giant roll and write. If you're familiar with Welcome Two, it's just like Welcome Two. If Welcome Two is you know three streets, Hadrian Wall is you know a metropolis. And there's all types of places you can do and all kinds of check marks in this resource management. And there's all kinds of stuff that you can do there. Um, It's sort of overwhelming and there's like a ton of stuff there, but it's so crunchy good and it just feels good. And Kitty, I can't wait until you're able to play it because I think you are going to love this game. However, it's not a game I would recommend to someone just cold unless you really want to invest time in it. Because when you open up the box, you're like, wait a minute, this is a deck of cards and 10 pounds of paper as it gives you these two giant (laughs) pads and you need like, I think it's eight inches by eight inches. So it's like 16 inches by eight inches of paper that you're going to be writing on. And it's, it's just so good. It's just so, so good. So I'm trying to figure out how to make this work Um, on the computer. It's easy on mobile. It's a little trickier, but I'm going to make a mobile. It will work on mobile. And I'm, that's sort of my goal because most of my BGA stuff is I do on my phone. So I'm going to make sure it works there. Well, but that's my uh, Hadrian's Wall update. So let's talk about tiebreakers. Because I thought this topic was just going to be a excuse for you to rant about how Matthew beat you in Railroad Inc. And yes. then I started <laughs> doing the notes. And I'm like, huh, I'm going to research some tiebreakers on different games. Because typically, you don't really get to tiebreakers on a lot of games, right? Yeah, it's... <laughs> Sorry, Spencer, I think just got home. My dog is working, <laughs> if you can hear him. Um, yeah, typically tiebreakers are things that like you end a game, the points are tied, and then you go look it up. You don't ever read them like, oh, I'm going to read every single rule before I sit down. And maybe there are people like that and they're all laughing at me right now because they knew that the tiebreaker to railroading was who has the least amount of errors. And they're like, well, that's on you for not, but but I didn't have a choice at that point. <laughs> and, and how do you know? Because I'm, you're just trying to maximize your score. And do you try to maximize your score and then also worry about the tiebreaker? 
I mean, you can't really do that. You you can't. I I couldn't because to get the score, I had to put the pieces where the pieces go. So to have been thinking about that, I I don't know that I could have. I don't know. I just. <sighs> yeah. So this Matthew game, and this is this what kicked it off. We're just putting this as kind of a little background <laughs> context here. Um, Kitty is addicted to railroad ink. But she's yet to win a game on BGA that I know of, at least in any game that I've been in. I don't think I've won a game. This was the closest I came. I, and I lost to a tiebreaker. To a tiebreaker. So you <laughs> it, it was you tied with Matthew. And, uh-huh. and he had like three errors and you had 10 errors. Now, errors are uh-huh. part of the score in Railroad Inc. So you add up, you get all yes. your points, and then you subtract a point per error you have. So essentially, the tiebreaker is applying that aspect of scoring again. And in that case, your score was much lower because you got an extra minus 10 points and you got a minus three points. Um, but you could have just as easily, like, you know, the tiebreaker could have been take the longest road and add that to your score, which would have been a very different type mm-hmm. of tiebreaker, but it would have been still within the spirit of the game, right? But you don't know. You don't know what the, the tiebreaker is going to be. Now, I thought it was fairly fair. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, fewest errors. That makes sense. Matthew, though... He actually, and I think you left the chat before he said that. He's like, I think the tiebreaker should be the opposite. The fact that you got the same score as me but had more errors should have given you the tiebreaking win because you did it with no, more errors. No, I did see him say that. And I, I think I said something, you know, like, because I, I do remember actually, I it said I left the chat and then I like clicked back in because when the game ends, it kicks you out of the chat. Oh, yeah. So, um, but I did go back in and I don't remember what I said. But, um, you know, it's interesting because I was talking to Spencer about this. Not that this became, like, a huge <laughs> thing in my life, but um, I don't have a lot going on. So. Except for moving and kids. Um, and- no. <laughs> and I also have a podcast about board games. So when something happens in board gaming that affects me, even, like, because I'm not upset about it, Matthew. It's fine. <laughs> um, I'm... I was happy enough that I tied, you know, like it was cool. It was the highest score I think I've ever gotten in a game. Um, And um, I was talking to Spencer about it. And he said that his idea of the best kind of tiebreakers are if you played one more round, what would allow the person to win? And in that case, I do think that errors is a really bad way to measure it because open spaces to continue building would make it easier to score more points the next time around. And that's always the trick with Railroad Inc. is to leave yourself places to go, but also try to minimize your errors. Because if you close everything up every round, you're not connecting your networks. But but you can't have any errors, so you'll have no negatives. So, you know, there's like a balancing act that you're playing the whole game of like closing your errors, but also leaving yourself open to expand. So if you played one more round and somebody has zero errors and somebody has 10 errors and they have the same score, who has the opportunity to score more points if there were a seventh round? And I sort of like that for some games, but I don't know. I don't know who had the opportunity. There's no way you can do that. We can't play another round. There are some games. You can't go through it. There are literally (laughs) some games where that is the tiebreaker, right? You, you, if if there's a tie, you play another round and then 
You know, essentially, you trigger the end of the game and then you keep playing until somebody wins at the end of a round. Um, There's a game that I just recently played that was like that. I don't recall it off the top of my head, but that was essentially how you how you handled that. And I thought that was fine because the rounds were relatively short. They are easy enough mm-hmm. to play another round. With something like Railroad Inc., you know, if there's only five, six turns, you know, six rounds, period, adding another round is a big deal. And especially for just like adding another round for a tiebreaker, it's like a really big deal. Um, but I think that I, I think the tiebreaker in Railroad Inc. is actually not terrible because it is related to at least what you're doing in the game. And mm-hmm. in general, if you want to maximize your score, you need to minimize your errors. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I like what's going on there. Now, I think you could do it as a positive way versus a negative way. Like I say, you could say, you know, the longest road or the longest railroad or whatever. Um, you know, most exits connected. I like the most exits connected is actually what my suggestion would have been is, you know, like whoever has the most sick. And it, I don't even think you subtract the, the number. I thought it was just like whoever had the most like gains or the least errors gains one point or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, but maybe I'm misremembering. Well, so it, in the official rules, like the physical rules, they, it is just, this is how you break ties. Whoever had the least error wins. Mm-hmm. It's it's not an adjustment of scores. In BGA, they actually have a tiebreaker score. So you'll see an adjusted score for the tiebreaker. And, and that's for the ranking system in BGA. So, and they just apply it. It's like a fraction of a score. But that's sort of like, all right, so... Outside of, if, if you imagine Railroad Inc., let's use that as an example, again, because we talk about it enough where I think just everyone knows how to play it just <laughs> by, you know, association. Osmosis yeah, osmosis, point. yeah. Um, <laughs> the way you're calculating points in that game is you're trying to get the longest contiguous railroad, the longest continuous road, connect a bunch of exits together. If there's an expansion, you're trying to minimize or maximize your point gain or loss in the expansion. And each one of those is going to add to a score that typically ranges somewhere between 40 and 70. 75 is super high. Um, my last game was 77, but, you know, that's that's an anomaly. It really is anomaly, by the way. <laughs> but, um, I think that if part of the scoring was a fractional tiebreaker, where if you scored 60 points, I think your, your score was like 65 or something like that. You t- it's tied at 65. And if the the score was actually 65.7 versus 65.0, because the decimal point was the number of, you know, 10 minus the number of errors, and you were able to see that as part of the score, that's still, that's exactly the same thing as the tiebreaker. But would that make you feel better or worse if there was essentially fractional scoring? It would make it easier for me to see it coming, because what really happened was, I thought I had the game in the bag. I'm looking at it. And then, oh, it's a tie. And honestly, I don't mind tying. I I just, I don't know why we have to come in with a rule that doesn't make sense, <laughs> that no one is paying attention to. Just, just let it be a tie. All right. So that's my next question. Transitioning out of Railroad Inc. I have a whole, this, this, we're 16 minutes I in. Know. We're done talking about Railroad Inc. Now we have a whole subject to talk about. We'll reference back occasionally, but are ties better than tiebreakers? And I yes, okay. Elaborate, <laughs> explain. I, I mean, it depends on what you're playing for. If you're playing in a tournament, there has to be a winner and a loser. 
you know, like there there has to be some way for someone to move on, someone to not, whatever it is. Um, but if you're playing for fun or even something where you're getting points in a ranking, it's a tie. You you did the same thing. And if you are, it, I mean, I don't know, because if it's a two player game, that's awful. But in like a six player game, if two people have the exact same score, if it's not first and second, no one cares. True. Because you just need to know so the winner. So if two people beat everyone else, they won. They won. They both win. But they didn't because they didn't beat everyone else. They didn't beat that tied player. Now, I do think that... I would rather stay tied and feel like I am sharing a win with someone than to have my shared win <laughs> snatched from me by a stupid technicality. And maybe... This is something that I need to start doing is every time I play a game, I need to go look up what the tiebreaker is before I get to the point where suddenly it matters. But like it just enrages me that sometimes I am going to get to the end. I have 75 points. Someone else has 75 points. Everyone else is down in the 50s. I feel great. And then it's like, oh, well, whoever went to Italy last is the winner now. <laughs> That's usually the start player. Like, what? I know. But it, it, but it sometimes is. It's sometimes something that feels oh, that arbitrary. I actually, I have, I have some tiebreakers, and some of the best tiebreakers are completely senseless tiebreakers, <laughs> as, as Rich would say. I, I, I refuse. <laughs> Um, I refuse to acknowledge them. <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm, I, some of them are amazing. Absolutely amazing. There's one I think that you'll actually like and enjoy quite a bit. So I, I do think that this is, yes, Courtney Arboretum, I'm going to get to that one. So I do think this is, <laughs> it's a cultural thing in a lot of ways. In the US, most of our sporting events do not end in ties. You just there is there was no such thing as a tie. You don't tie in football or baseball or really anything that's US based. And as we discussed, in all of those games, if there is a tie at the end of the game, they go to overtime and they get to keep playing. Nope, not all of them. Is there a game? Okay, which game? So so I'm now I kind of compare um so hockey and soccer are very similar in their scoring things, but the way the tiebreakers work in hockey is absolutely absurd to me, which is the same thing as the way it works in soccer or football for the rest of the world, is a shootout. You just played a 90-minute game, and now the game comes down to kicking the ball five times and seeing who can get in the net. I'm like, the game was boring enough. No offense to the soccer fans. The game was boring enough, because hockey's the same way. The game was boring enough, and now you're just coming. Just go to the shootout and end the game. Call it good. But they're playing. There is a rule that everyone knows at the beginning of the game, and they get to keep playing with their skills. Yeah. Actually, I just thought of a way better... If it got to the end of a game of hockey, you're at, you're playing hockey, Blackhawks, they're winning, it's great, and then the Red Wings come in, and they score, and it's a tie game, and then we look and see, ooh, the Red Wings had less penalties than the Blackhawks, so the Red Wings win. No, this is, I think this is the way. That's absurd. Actually, no one would accept no, that. No, I would accept that. That actually sounds like a great solution. Not as good as my no. solution I'm about to give that's going <laughs> to fix soccer and hockey right now. But I'm going to fix soccer and hockey right now. And this is also potentially ways this doesn't fix board game um, games because it 
doesn't work. But imagine in a soccer and hockey, you do the shootout. That's how you start the game. So each person does like five shots or whatever they do to determine, okay, this person won the shootout. They get a half a point. And then you play the game. And at the end of the game, there's no shootout. It's someone has a half a point. So if they're ahead by a half a point at the end of the game, they win. And they know that that's what it is. And it's impossible to tie at that point because you already have that half point shootout. Now, some board games will do this in like turn order. If the tiebreaker is, you know, who's ever furthest away from the first player. And I did some research online. Some people hate that. They, they think it's arbitrary. I actually think it's a very fair way of tiebreaking in a lot of games where there's some slight it first player advantage. It depends on how... I was going to say, it depends on how the first player is selected. It depends on what the I advantage to being first player is. I don't think... Well, it could be... There has to be a first player advantage in those types of tiebreakers. If it's just arbitrary and there's yeah. no first player advantage, then yeah, then it doesn't matter. But if there is, then... And the person who goes furthest away from the first player is at a slight disadvantage, giving them the tiebreaker. I'm fine with that kind of thing. But you always know, it's like, that's what it's going to be. And I know if I tie with you, I'm going to win because I'm sitting in the last chair. So I kind of like knowing knowing the resolution of the tiebreaker before you get to the end. And I'm not saying coins are the resolution. I'm saying if Kitty and Chris both tie... Kitty wins, period. No matter what else happens in this game, if those two people tie, this person is the winner. I kind of like that because it allows me to plan around that in a simpler way than, oh, I need to make sure I have more coins than you because coins is the tiebreaker in this particular game. So, but at the same time, you there's a number of people that are passionate about tiebreakers are absurd. You should play the game to have fun. Like if there's a tie, just share the victory, hold hands, skip down the road. Certainly, there's dueling games. There's, you know, we're not talking about two player dueling games where you those types of games, but it's just in general, like competitive three plus player games. Sure, but there's also the camp, and I, I can't get a sense of size, but it feels like 50 50 the way that people argue on the internet, but everything feels like 50 <laughs> 50 that are like having shared victories is the worst thing that any game could ever do. It's lazy by the designers. They should come up with ways to tiebreak. And even if there's a list of tiebreakers, if the last item on that tiebreaker list, which is impossible to get to, says shared victory, this game sucks. And that is like a camp that's firmly like, this is the worst thing ever. What do you say to them? I mean, I think that this is a really easy house rule kind of a thing. And the only thing that irritated me about this situation is that BGA just did it for me. Because I feel like, and I, I don't know that this is the case, but I feel like Matthew would have been like happy to share the victory with me. It was a casual game. We were playing for fun. We all knew going in, like, there there is no, I mean, like, half the time these Railroad Inc. games end, I see I didn't win and I move on without even looking at what the scores were. <laughs> like, you know, and I don't know. I'm sure you go in and you analyze everything at the end and, you know, everyone can put in their effort on these. But I feel like, you know, if you get to the end of the game and your game group is like, oh, there is a tie. That's cool. Moving on. No one picks up the book to be like, who was the t- who was the real winner? Uh, my game group, it's we fine, always do that. <laughs> that's fine. So there's some game groups that are going to be like, give me that rule book. Tell me who it is. But like, if the two people who tied are like, it was a tie. I'm, they never need to open the rule book and care. I'm pretty sure that you've done this, though. We get to the end and it's a tie. I, 
have changed <laughs> because every single time it swings against me. I have never won by the tiebreaker. Never. And I know that this has come up with me as the person who has tied before. And it's just really frustrating. And yes, I should just know what the tiebreaker is before I play the game. I should read all the rules. I should know what it is. Nobody does, though. But who lives like that? <laughs> who has time for this? All right. So we got to. Ain't nobody got time for that. We got a couple rebuttals on my um, pregame shootout tiebreaker. Joshua says. It would waste more time for games that don't require a tiebreaker. And I agree, Joshua. I do. I agree that it would waste more time. But you do it pre-game. If the game is going to go, you know, it's starting at 7 o'clock, you start the the shootout at 6 or, you know, 6.50 or whatever. And the fans would love it. Like, you know, you can do it at 6 o'clock. Do it an hour before the game starts. It's like pre-warming up. People are like cheering and stuff. But it actually matters. I think that would be, I, I just, I think you'd sell more beer that way. I really do. Um, I'm fine if if seriously if the tiebreakers were and now there's a special mini game that the two winners get to play <laughs> that calls on the same skills you get to do something to feel like you are in control in this moment I wouldn't care a shootout style great yeah. I'm happy with that but it's extra work for a designer and if we're going to talk about like not having a tiebreaker scenario is lazy design then like not having it how about this how about this for railroad just- ink in railroad ink if you get to the end and there's a tie you roll two basic dice and mm-hmm. you draw and then rescore still a tie roll two more basic dice draw and rescore until I am there's a tie 100 a, a broken with that. tie because I feel like I would have been able to win that way because I had all of my unfinished pieces. And it's not like I was dead ending them into each other. I didn't have a bunch of like errors that couldn't be fixed. I just hadn't closed up some loose ends. And if I got the right piece, I get to put it in the right spot and I get to score more points and I feel good about it. And I just don't like the, um, oh, and here's why you lost rule. I don't know. <laughs> It just feels it just feels bad. So Getty and I don't like rules that feel bad. So Getty <laughs> mentions that he he's makes sure to let people know the tiebreaker before the game begins and as they approach the end. I don't do both. Sometimes I might mention the, the tiebreaker at the beginning, but I think there's so much to know at the beginning that the tiebreaker is the least of your concerns. But usually about a halfway to two thirds through. I may open up the book and see, okay, here's the tiebreaker, especially for low-scoring games. For games that are scoring in the high double digits, you tend to, this tends not to be a, an issue. Like, we haven't had a lot of ties in Railroad Inc. I was going to say, I think this is the only tie in Railroad Inc. that I can think of, and we we play four games a week, easy. Yeah, and this is, and this is yeah. why it's fun to have an opinion on it, but ultimately it doesn't matter. So... It's, yeah. And then Steve mentions, he's like, he's had people look up tiebreaker rules for second place. So it really just runs the gambit on how much people care about this. So I don't know. I don't think that if a tiebreaker is something that you can plan for, like, okay, so I'm playing this and I'm playing to win the tiebreaker. I think you're probably playing the game wrong. You should play the game to win. Yes. <laughs> the only exceptions to this are when the tiebreaker is something that if you'd known, you wouldn't have done something 
in that last turn. And for an example of this, the tiebreaker is the person with the most money at the end. And then money allows you to buy resources or whatever. So you bought a resource and then ended up not spending it in your last turn. You tied and then you lost because you didn't have as much money. Well, if you'd known what the tiebreaker was, you would have not bought that resource. You'd have just saved the money. So in those types of cases, and there are games like that, it's good to know what that tiebreaker is. And in that case, I'd be like, well, you didn't do anything in that last turn or just reverse the money. And, you know, that's really what should happen. You shouldn't get penalized for not knowing the tiebreaker. Um, but I do think that games that say shared victory, I don't like them. And I'm a big fan of just playing for the fun of playing the game. But I don't like shared victories. I just don't. In a competitive game, I think there should be a winner. And when there's a... Sh- when is the last time you lost by a tiebreaker? Um, I don't remember. I don't. I rarely lose games, so... And if I do, I lose them by a lot. So it's never really close. So I want to know everyone, everyone in the chat who is railing, we need tiebreakers. When is the last time you lost by a tiebreaker? I'm waiting for my response. I bet <laughs> it doesn't happen to people very frequently. And, you know, you know, when we're learning a game, sure, you say what the tiebreaker is. And then like something like Railroad Inc. I play this game four times a week. If I had known what the tiebreaker was, I learned it like three years ago and I forgot it. (laughs) And like, yeah, I was told, I knew, I read all the rules, whatever it is, but like, Getty says, I I don't know. Getty says the last time he won was or lost to a tiebreaker was four hours ago with Race for the Galaxy because the tiebreaker there is the person or the person who has the fewer cards loses, I believe, lost because the fewer cards in my hand. Yeah. Um, Which, Apparently he's upset about because he's using a lot of capital letters. So I'm going to assume he's, using a lot he's of very upset letters. about this. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. Like I just I'm I'm fine with the tie. Yeah, I'm I like having the tiebreakers, but I do think the tiebreakers need to make sense within the game. Um, all right, I have a few other questions here. Uh, da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to just throw out there quickly games that don't require tiebreakers at all. Um, Mm-hmm. Those are great. Oh, there's tons of them. Yeah. So so many games that don't require tiebreakers. But you know what? There's so few of the games that I like. So many <laughs> of the games that I like are just point-based games. You earn points by doing your own thing. And it's going to result in sometimes you get the same amount of points. But you know what? I I like I like it. You know, I'm going to throw out Twilight, <laughs> Twilight Imperium here. A game that you have not played. But most people have heard of this game. It is a mini hour long epic space opera style game and it plays to 10 points and the game wins the first person to 10 points wins that's that's how it is and as soon as you get that 10th point everything stops you win no one else has an opportunity to do it however in rare situations you can score simultaneous points and in which case it is possible for two people to hit 10 at the same time and there the tiebreaker is the person with the lowest initiative of that round wins. That seems some people are fine with this because you know where what you where you are in the initiative, you get to choose it. So and as part of the strategy of the game, so they think that's fair. Other people are like it's arbitrary. Like if I had chosen that, I wouldn't have gotten my tenth point. So then I wouldn't have won anyway. It's like well, then it goes back to well, that's the whole point of strategy. Why initiative matters, et cetera, et cetera. But there are also situations in the game where depending. There are, there are states of the game where you don't have an initiative tile at all, and you can both get to 10 points during that time, and the tiebreaker at that point is whoever's sitting furthest away from the first player. And it feels 
arbitrary to some people that that's the thing, but there's there has to be like some resolution to it. Now here, I feel like there's some justification for upsetness though. And that's a word I'm going to just say because <laughs> upsetness is a, is a very fine quality because this game takes 10 hours to get to that point. And to say mm-hmm. that you lost because of your seating position in a game... Where you sat down. Where you sat down. <laughs> and that can be a little frustrating, I think. And it's actually not... It's not the from the first player. It's from the speaker. And the speaker can change. And um, I think, actually, if you have the speaker, you win first. But anyway, I can just... I can understand... <laughs> Getty. Upsetness. The act or feeling of being upset. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I can understand in those types of games, like really long games with sur- like arbitrary tiebreakers, I get it. I think if you tie in Race for the Galaxy, there should be some kind of game mechanic that you play. Because there's voting all the time in Race for the Galaxy. I think there should be some kind of mechanic, in-game mechanic, for the rest of the players help to decide who the victor actually is. As opposed to just arbitrarily deciding that. But that's a game length issue. In something like Railroad Inc., mm-hmm. where if you're playing in a real life, it lasts for 15 minutes, I'm fine saying, okay, we tied, let's move on. Also, yep. we tied, but man, look at how less errors, how many less errors I had. Hmm, that's good. Um, yeah, but look how long my longest railroad <laughs> is, and look how long my longest road is, and check out this river I built, and also, like, you know, and maybe if it's like, hey, check these five boxes, whoever has the most checks wins, like, it's it's about the whole gameplay. It just feels when there's like six scoring boxes at the top of the sheet, we just picked the one. <laughs> we just picked one of them. You yeah. know? Yeah. I, I don't know. I just. Yeah, I get it. I, it, I, it I don't disagree feel, with you. It didn't feel as good as being like, yeah, we share the victory. We both win. And I don't know why we can't both win. I don't know. Like, I, it's just. I don't know. Josh was on my side, and at least I have one person <laughs> who agreed with me in the chat. Yeah, I. There are certain people out there. Uh, Getty mentions Tom Vassell is is one who like doesn't like ties. Like we want a winner. We don't want to tie. We want a winner. Um, it's just some people just feel like if you're. And gonna I mean, play if that's what if that's how people feel, and they're willing to take the arbitrary, <laughs> the arbitrary like, tiebreakers, that's fine. And I really do think that. You know, like this is a house rules. We don't care. We tied or, you know, yeah, let's go look up what the tiebreaker is. Okay. Flip a coin. Even then flipping a coin, I'd be more okay with than let's pick one aspect of the game that like to get to the score you hadn't been focused on, but somebody else did, you know, like it's just, it feels like the work I did to earn my score isn't good enough i just love christopher in some way christopher's trolling us he's like shared wins are for losers i know <laughs> i know christopher is always trolling us it's fun because i feel like you're when fletcher isn't here you read the chat more <laughs> because you you never all the well, way listen to me this, this, no, <laughs> no, no, I'm still listening to you. This, this is just causing a very active chat i like the subject um all right, I'm going to ask you. I knew it would. <laughs> I'm gonna... Everyone has so many feelings about this. <laughs> so I'm assuming you have not read the show notes because I can make those safe to safe assumptions. Uh, and I'm going to ask you about some games that we've played recently and ask you what you think the tiebreaker should be in those games. So 
Don't read the notes because I didn't scroll scroll all the way down. So yeah. all right. So I was looking at the questions under topic. <laughs> <laughs> in Azul, we're currently playing an Azul tournament, and you play Azul with mm-hmm. your family fairly often. Um, what is the tiebreaker in Azul? No idea. What do you th- do? You want me to guess? What do you think the tiebreaker should be? <laughs> um, I don't know. I just hate them so much. <laughs> um. First level tiebreaker, the person who took tiles in their negative row loses. See, I like that one. <laughs> I, I think that is a good one. The person with the least negative points could be the winner. And I think that's a better tiebreaker than the actual tiebreaker, which is most completed horizontal lines. And the reason I don't like that tiebreaker is because it is a very small number. Like, it's very possible mm-hmm. that it's just like everyone has two. And, you know, that's just what it is. Um, but I, I like the... Well, one horizontal line ends the game. So, right. like, the most people normally accomplish is maybe three if you're lucky. Yeah, because you got them all at the same time. And and I just feel like it's, it's too close. And then the next level is shared victory. You know, so... Mm-hmm. Um, Josh was like, whoever took the middle one tile, um, you know, and, and that's (laughs) like, those are, I like the negative points better, but they might be harder to track if you're like just tracking like a running total. Also a lot of people don't end up. Yeah. So if you're not tracking them the whole game, if you're just looking at the end round, maybe nobody took negative tiles, you know, it's not something that happens every time, you know, it's just that I don't like it. And as a game designer, I would all right all right i would have a hard time but i wouldn't i wouldn't leave if i was designing my own game i wouldn't leave it as shared victory because i'm not designing my game for me i'm designing it for other people and i know that it matters to other people and like i might write a little thing that says like if your scores are the same you can choose to break your tie with the following <laughs> rules. Oh, I like that. I like that. Because there are some designers <laughs> who take the stance of, no, it's just a shared victory. And those games, I will say that the people who dislike no tiebreaker far ex- exceed the people who do like them. Do not. Whatever. People get enraged if the game specifically has no tiebreaker. If the game just says shared victory whole or the one that people get most set off is if there's a tie play again to decide the winner and that's <laughs> i think that's like the kitty tiebreaker right it's like uh well you decide on the next game so next next one we just played this the other day uh viticulture what do you think the tiebreaker is mm-hmm. for viticulture i mean just because we set it for uh race for the galaxy i maybe the initiative order because it's another one where you choose initiative um, cause yeah, so the last round you have an initial order. It is not that, but, um, and that's not reverse first galaxy. That's a uh, twilight Imperium. Why would we have some sort of, <laughs> what do you think the tiebreaker should be in viticulture? Most completed orders. I don't know. Oh, actually, I really like that one too. Um, the tiebreaker in viticulture <laughs> is most lira, then the highest total value of wine in the cellar. Then if there's still a tie, highest total wa- value of grapes on the crush pad. And if there's still a tie, then it's shared or there's nothing. Um, but at that point, the idea, the chance of still having a tie is practically nothing. I really hate leftover resources. If we are counting our leftover resources, then you are not maximizing your win. I I agree with you on this one. I do agree with you on this one. Um, I do think that the highest total wine in your your wine cellar 
isn't terrible and then grapes isn't like having those that's not terrible but to your point it's still the same thing like you shouldn't have any wine in your wine cellar Mm -hmm. the point is to sell all your wine um so i see that but i sort of i like most completed orders and honestly you could even go most points from completed orders would be a Mm -hmm. good tiebreaker because that's like within the game you know there are other ways to get points but ultimately, that's what the game thematically is having you do. I kind of like all that. Um, yeah. All right. The next one um, is Wingspan. What is the tiebreaker in Wingspan? Mm. A game you've played a lot. What is and it? And it sounds like I have, have played you a lot. Tied? I don't think it's ever ended in a tie. I've never tied in Wingspan. I usually mop the floor with everybody. <laughs> Just kidding. I lose quite a bit. <laughs> uh, what would I like it to be? Most birds on your board. So that one, I think I disagree with, sort of, because I like the one that it is. And and at first I didn't like it, then I liked it, and then I didn't like it, then I liked it again. All in this conversation. The tiebreaker for Wingspan (laughs) is unused food tokens. And the reason... Nope, hate it. The reason (laughs) I like it is because everything else is already giving you score. You know, having a lot of birds, you're you're getting points for the birds. Having eggs, you're getting points for that. Having tucked cards, you're getting points for that. You're getting points for everything else. I like that unused food is like that fractional point. It's the only thing in the game that is not being scored. And for that, I sort of like that. I can, I mean, I can go either way. I could definitely see like, yeah, but you're not maximizing your food and whatever. So I, I get that part. But I don't know. I'm I'm I sort of okay with the wingspan one, even though I don't like wingspan anymore. Um, all right, and the last one. This one's just for fun, and then I won't ask you anymore. We're just gonna throw some out there. I don't know. I'm happy to keep doing this. I like this thought exercise. <laughs> Photosynthesis, and I know it's been years Whoever since we played the least it. Number of pieces. <laughs> Who's <laughs> ever threw the least number of pieces? There are actual games that we get to where that's a tiebreaker. <laughs> um, um, what is it like? So photosynthesis, just to remind people who haven't played it in a while, um, you put trees on the board. The trees grow into small trees and medium trees and large trees. And then you harvest your trees for point tokens. And you get point tokens based on whether it's the outer, inner, or you know, what ring you are in the forest. I feel like, do you have like sunlight tokens or something? There are, yeah, sunlight tokens, I think. Yeah, something like that. Sunlight is your your currency. So you gain sunlight and you spend sunlight to do the different things, grow trees and plant trees and make seeds and all that stuff. That would be my guess. Unused sunlight tokens. So, and that would be a valid one. Um, But I think the idea is that you're trying to maximize that. I haven't played this game in so long. And this one, (laughs) so this one, the tiebreaker is the most seeds and trees on the main board. And then it's a shared victory after that, which I'm, I'm kind of okay with that because it is in the nature of the game. You're going to get points by having stuff on the board. So if you Mm -hmm. are tied and you still have stuff on the board, to Spencer's point, you have the most potential to score points in another round because you have those out there. So I can I can kind of yeah, see I, this. I don't know. Like, I get really frustrated because I feel like it rewards one strategy over another arbitrarily, no matter what it is. It's just like, if my whole strategy was I, Mac. because your trees get bigger too. I, I placed my trees in the right spot and I have few large trees and somebody else has a bunch of like, oh, I couldn't really get my tree engine 
growing them that big. So I've got lots of little trees. It's basically rewarding, you know, the little, little trees, trees versus big trees. Yeah. yeah. And and that's what I feel annoyed by is that it is telling me what is like the good way to play the game. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Um, it sounds to me like you're just not going to be good with tiebreakers at all. But we're going to do some other ones, which are kind of fun. So okay. first of all, I'm going to cover Hadrian's Wall because I'm doing this one. Um, I looked this up and I'm like, okay, so I'm going to have to do the tiebreaker on this game. What is the tiebreaker? In Hadrian's Wall, you're trying to essentially defend against these picked attacks. They're, they're attacking you. And if you don't defend against them, then you get disdain from your people. And the first tiebreaker is the least disdain. Now, this can go both ways for me because there is a bonus card where having low disdain will give you extra bonus points and having disdain gives you mega negative points. So it's always good to have low disdain, but I don't know that putting it as your tiebreaker is necessary for it to be the added extra. The next level, though, outside of disdain, the next level is points you get from path cards. And these are gold cards that you can you get six of them throughout the game. This tiebreaker I really like. Because everyone's going to get six mm-hmm. of these. And it's just how well did you do for those on those six cards? Um, that one makes makes sense to me. If you, there's a, still a tiebreaker. It's a shared victory. Um, but probably one of my favorite legitimate tiebreakers. I'm going to call this a legitimate tiebreaker. And I, I wish more games would do this. Um, Palace of Mad King Ludwig. Players with the most swans wins. So that's your your first tiebreaker. Whoever has the most swans, hidden or whatever. Um, and if you've never played castle, it doesn't matter. It's just if you have the most of this resource, you win. However, if there's still a tie, the king gets mad and both the tie players lose due to the inability to be noticeably superior than the other. And the next highest score wins. <laughs> I love that. I love the idea. It's like, okay, there was a tie. Well, neither of you are better than the other. So both of you get kicked out and the next person wins. I love it. I just love it. What do you think about that tiebreaker? You and Matthew both lose and I win. Hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I I especially hate it. Um I do like at least that it's tied into the story of the game because I, I do like that the whole point of that game is it's just insane. Yes. And everyone's insane and everything about it is insane and it's fun because it's insane. Um yeah. But I don't like it. <laughs> Courtney does ex- explain that this is just a tiebreaker in the expansions that have the swans that in the base game is just square footage of your castle. But I'm going to say that's boring and I will never play without the expansion. I have to play the swan expansion so I can have this tiebreaker. All right. Some silly tiebreakers that I looked up. And then uh, for those who are listening right now, I'm going to name a few tiebreakers here. But if you have some fun tiebreakers or just tiebreakers you like or dislike, post them in the chat and we'll go over them in a second. Um, so Petricor. Um, this is a game, I believe this is the one where you're, um, running around, like it's, it's, is that the cloud one? I want to say it's the cloud one where you're like raining stuff. So the tiebreaker for this game is, and these are written in the rule book. Um, maybe not, I might be paraphrasing some of them, but these are like actual rules in the rule book. The first person to run to the nearest field and harvest a crop wins, or players can just enjoy a shared (laughs) victory. I, I love it. I love it. Um, Plague Inc., a game that I really do like a lot. Um, and the app was great. The board game is good. The first player to lie on the floor and pretend to be dead wins. Now, I think that's in bad days taste during a pandemic. But, you know, pandemic's mostly over. So I, I think you could still do that. 
Um, I like it because it rewards reading the rules. <laughs> if you- because if you get to the tie, somebody read the rules and someone did not, they're easily going to win. Whereas if it also rewards the person who picks up the rule book, if there is a shared tie. I don't know. I... I like it. I like this one as far as the silly ones go. Honestly, as far as some of the non-silly ones go, I still like it because it's playing. It's a it's rewarding skill. This next one is in all seriousness. Um, he'll do this. Rattle, battle, grab the loot. Write an email with a photo of your pirate ship to the designer, Ignacy Chevichek, who will then decide the winner. So if you take a picture of the tied players and send it to the designer of the game, he will send back and say, I like this shit better. They win. How's that for a tiebreaker? That's amazing. <laughs> I'm happy with it. I like the more insane the tiebreaker, the more I enjoy it, I guess. I don't know. I've completely lost my mind. <laughs> so here's one. Here's a game I've always wanted to play, but I haven't got to it. Um, Portal, the uncooperative cake acquisition game. Tied players may appeal their cases in 10 words or less to other divisions or anyone nearby and put in a vote. Um, and put it to a vote. None of those 10 words may contain the letter E. <laughs> you're, you're nodding. You, remember, this is still a podcast. <laughs> I, I just, I'm trying to think of what my 10-word rebuttal would be. I don't even know. Like, I've been doing a lot of Wordle lately. It's <laughs> so it's like, it's like, oh, I can do, there's so many words without E's. I like that. I do like I'm that. I'm still mad at today's Wordle. <laughs> I got it, but I, I didn't like doing it. I don't know. <laughs> So the next one, um, I've never played this game, but I loved the tiebreaker so much I had to note it. Thieves Market. The first player to grab the start player marker and run from the room shouting, you fools, <laughs> wins the game. Which, again, rewards <laughs> reading the rules. Rewards reading the rules. <laughs> and arguably the best tiebreaker of all tiebreakers. And I think you will like this tiebreaker as well. Arboretum. The tied players, and this, there's actually a tiebreaker before this one. I get it, but this is this is what it comes down to. The tiebreakers, the tied players, each plant a tree. Whosoever's tree has grown tallest in five years is declared the winner. Yep, <laughs> that's the way to do it. So we can just make all tiebreakers plant a tree. Time to go plant a tree. Call it good. Um, I this this episode. I don't know. Bottom line is. <laughs> For me, tiebreakers don't bother me all that much. And I don't like I don't like if there's not a tiebreaker. If it's just shared victory with no effort to any tiebreaker whatsoever, that does bother me for some reason. Like I, I agree, like if, if the tiebreaker is a tie, then great. And I will say if I win or lose by a tiebreaker, it feels less satisfying in both directions. Like I just if I win by a tiebreaker, it's like Okay, great. But I wasn't trying yeah. for that. Yeah. No matter what it is, it feels a little bit like it breaks the spirit of the game in some way. And honestly, that's kind of what I enjoy about these silly ones, is they are enhancing the spirit of the game. Yeah. They're they're saying, okay, fine. You can you can break the tie if you want, but also do it with a light heart. Laugh at yourself while you do it because, yeah, it's just silly. Um, you know, we're supposed to be doing this to have fun. And I'm not knocking anyone who enjoys serious fun. I just, I guess what happened here and what annoys me is that if you are playing a game 
say it, it is real life. You, me, Matthew are sitting at the table and we have just completed railroading. Also, Matthew, I am so sorry <laughs> that we are like ragging on you this whole episode. Hey, I'm not. I, I say congratulations really for the win. I think you did a great job. I looked at both of the like, routes that you guys had, had drawn. Less errors. Yeah, Good your, for you. Your map was um, so much better. It deserved to win. That's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> fair. It's fine. Um, but but here we are. We're sitting at a physical table. Me and Matthew look at our scores, say, oh, here it is. We have tied. Good good game, fellow player. <laughs> and then you pick up the rule book and say, actually, Matthew won. No. Unacceptable. And that's what it feel like BGA did to me, was me and Matthew were like, oh, good game. We tied. And BGA was like, actually, Matthew won. <laughs> so I will in- actual Actually, Kitty? No. You did In BGA's <laughs> defense, we weren't playing a casual game. We were playing a ranked game. It's true. So, so there's multiple ways that you can start a game. Normal mode is ranked, and you get – it's basically like a modified chess scoring system to see how you rank in the, in the game. Um, and then there's training mode, which – is named that way to say you can play the game and it doesn't count against your rank. It's probably best to just call it like unranked mode as opposed to training mode because, um, but I mean, it's nobody plays training mode because it doesn't sound like the right mode to yeah, play. It sounds at. like you have training wheels on your bike. Yeah. It sounds like you were supposed to do this first to be able to go to play the good one. It should be called like casual or unranked. Yes. But would be my preference if I. We're choosing things. Yeah. And if you wanted to play that, you could. Now, I don't mind the ranking system in VGA. It means nothing. Um, it gives you a general sense. After you've played, you know, a dozen of a particular game, that score could mean something to you. But ultimately, it depends on who you're playing against and, you know, whatever. It's just kind of a way to see where you're at in there. I have a really good score on Railroad Inc. I have a crappy score on a lot of other games. Um <laughs> and it's it's kind of neat to see that, but at the same time, if that score just didn't exist at all, and I just had like a win loss ratio, um, I don't know if I'd like that better because I don't know if I'd want to see because you're usually going to lose, right? In a twelve player game, which is what our railroad ink games are, you're going to lose most of the time, and seeing mm-hmm. like zero for twenty doesn't feel all that good. Because you actually, your score in, in Railroad Inc. is like 100 and something, right? And you've. Yeah, it's not terrible because you get points not just for being the, the first player. You get points for, you know, whatever top, I think it's top three or top four no, positions. No, you get, you get d- some number of points. Every, every position. So essentially, the way, okay. the way it works is it has a percentage chance that you're going to beat everyone in the game based on those scores. I, yeah, I read it once and then I was like, hmm, I don't care about this. Yeah. I mean, ultimately what it does in a nutshell is it says, you know, you have a chance to beat all these different people. And the more people you beat, the higher points you're going to get. And the people that you should have beat but didn't, you're going to get lower points. And it nets out to some number. So if you just play, mm-hmm. you'll you'll end up getting, you know, a decent amount. You'll And usually I think 100 is around average or something. Um, I believe that you gain points until you hit 100. And then once you hit 100, you can no longer lose points it just like brings you to like that's the you can tell someone has played enough times yeah yeah yep. can't pull it drop below 100 see rich is backing me up in the chat yeah. i know what i'm talking about but as you get above <laughs> that you can lose points for playing people who are below you and if you lose to them yeah you just can't ever drop lower than 100 yeah. again yeah so the idea there is just kind of say it's like have you played the game enough and you can actually limit i think this is called this is the e l 
ELO score or whatever it is, but mm-hmm. you can say, I don't want to play with anybody who has a score less than 75 because I only want to play with people mm-hmm. who have actually played this game a few times. Um, and so that's really what that number is for more than anything else. Again, it doesn't, it's also the tiebreaker in our tournament, uh, which Getty really doesn't like. Um, it hasn't come up, <laughs> but it's like the ultimate, like there, there can't be a tie in a tournament. So if there was a tie for horizontal rows, it's the person, I think, with the lowest ELO or something um, that does it. So, but it's just a way of breaking ties. And I think the the idea mm-hmm. of the person with the, the lowest rating breaking the tie is if you've tied with somebody else who has a higher rating, then you were at the handicap. You were at a lower chance to win. So if you tied, then you get that edge saying, yes, you won. Um Oh, he says higher opponent strength wins. Okay, yeah, that one sucks. Um, so, but I I don't mind those ranked games. I don't mind it because it's a passive score. I don't mind it. I don't mind the ties and the tiebreakers. And I don't know. I, I think it's hard to design a game that doesn't have the ability to tie, especially when there's only like three ways to win games these days and racing and points. Racing Usually you're not going to have a tie points. It's really hard to avoid the ties. And the other one is just some of the like social, you know, or goal. I guess goal base would be another one. Um, but this was fun. I actually had fun researching different tiebreakers and, and all of that. So that is our tiebreaker episode. Kitty, would you like to say anything else on this? I still just don't like tying. <laughs> but I don't like tiebreakers more than I don't like tying. If that is clear. That is very clear. <laughs> so I'm going to say two things. First, one, I'm going to make you read the names this time because you haven't read the names in, I think, two years. And two, stop pressing stop after the credits. You know we have a post-credits. The last two post-credits, you pressed stop after the credits and everything you've said, I've had to edit out because you didn't say anything. I think I just didn't say anything. <laughs> that might have been it too. Because I don't, I don't push stop until you say push stop ever. Well... <laughs> Um, I am. I do think I did it once, but I didn't do it twice. <laughs> the, the other time I was just, I don't know, done. <laughs> well, I have a great question for you post credits. So get us through the credits and then I'll ask you a great question. So I'm doing both things. I see you've written my name in both the places. Hmm. Hmm. I see. Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. You can be a part of our re- live recording Monday nights at 830 Central or join our Discord to talk to us all week long. Both links are in the show notes. You can also email us at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Hosting fees and giveaways are sponsored by our patrons. If you'd like to be one of these wonderful people, you can find out how by visiting our website, tabletopgametalk.com, and clicking the support us link or clicking a link on the show notes too. Finally, a huge thank you to our current patrons, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, The Gift of Games, Sahara Wentworth, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Danita Hersey, Jim Conrad, Lightning Steve, Gary Bunker, Peter Fleming, Andrew Fayesh, John Williams, David Rank, Sir Sully, Matthew Droke, Jimothy, Paul Raymer, Nicholas Lotz, Weatherman Keefe, Joe Punman, Leanne, Verhul- Leanne Verholst, Stephen Judd, Christopher Letgo, Marina Stevens, Ben Gary, Sean Peck, Michael Yanikowski, Jeremy Fisher, Jason Marks, Christopher Dong, Terrence Miltner, Richard Yassi, Token Fan Forever, David Radke, Brian Arnold, David Wagoner, Courtney Falk, Ryan Ellett, Dan Seed, Darren McClellan, David Gardner, Tony Simpkins, Jesse Wheeler, Charles Pearson, Agnes Toth, Ron Nelson, Aaron Moore, Don Gilstrap, Glenn Cotter, Eric Sealander, 
Adrian Dong, Eric Heffman, Jason Rodney, Justin Willard, Jerry Wong, and Sean P. Kelly. That's not bad for not doing that in quite some time. Um, and thank you to anyone who's ever been a patron. Your support means the world to us, past, present, and future. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. All right. Most important question. Over the next two weeks, when you're at your mother-in-law's, and then the two weeks after that, when you're moving into a new house, how many times are you not going to be on the podcast? Um, Hopefully zero. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how fast we get internet. <laughs> I just want to put it on tape. I just want to put it on tape. Now, do we still have tape? We don't have tape. Now, I, I'm excited for this We put move. it on an SD card. <laughs> it could be put on a SD card. I'm excited for the move. I'm excited to get to your house and play that first game there. Um, and actually, you're moving during a great time, too, because the weather should actually start getting nice right around that time. So I'm excited for you. What I am not looking forward to is figuring out what Kickstarters I need to adjust my address in. <laughs> Ouch. That is, it is a job. And I am not looking forward to it. Seventh Citadel's like, hey, if you need to change your address, email us. And I'm like, I, I don't want to talk to a person. <laughs> That's terrible. That seems, this is what you I don't wanna This is what you need to do. Since your parents are around the corner, you have to talk to the new people that are moving in and saying, look, sometimes there will be packages that show up. If that happens, here's the address to drop them off on the front porch. It's down the street around the corner. I'm not gonna do that. I would. I'm, I'm not going to, no, I'm I'm going to do the work. I'm going to go search my emails. I don't back as many Kickstarters as you, so hopefully it shouldn't be too big a job. I'm never moving, so I never have to do it. <laughs>